Hey, and welcome to Let's Talk CPF, a podcast where we bring conversations on CPF to your ears. Brought to you by the CPF Board, this podcast will answer common questions, offer tips, and feature interviews with industry experts on CPF and financial planning. Thanks for listening and let's get straight into today's episode. With the pending recession, last year has not been a good year for the stock market. For those who have invested in cryptocurrency especially since the last two years, we'll be seeing quite a bit of red in their portfolio. I'm Yi from CPF Board and today we have with us John Lim, a motivational speaker, career coach and blogger of LiveYoungAndWell.com to share with us his experience of having invested in cryptocurrency, how he lost money and bounced back and started saving and investing again. Hi John! Hi Yi-Chen! I understand you founded Live Young and Well, a media brand that is committed to help people make better transitions between school and work with purposeful media and products. Tell us a little about your brand. Yeah, thanks, Yuchen. So in my first part-time job, uh, I was sacked. And then later in my first full-time job, I was so bad that I was issued with a performance improvement plan, which is a get better or get sacked plan. And this was despite being quite academically inclined. So it turns out that my first class honours degree didn't mean that I would be successful at work. And I slowly realised that there was this gap between school and work. And this expectation that, hey, now you have a degree, you should know how to work. But you'll probably recall, right, Yuchen, in your early years of adulting, that you didn't necessarily know how to deal with questions such as, what do I do with a toxic colleague or bad boss? How to ask for a pay rise or promotion? Or even more existential questions like, Okay, what are my strengths? What should I do with my life? And that was why I started this blog that I wanted to give practical handles to young adults about the everyday questions to life. I read about your experience investing in cryptocurrency. It's not an easy topic. (laughs) So actually, what is cryptocurrency? And what first drew you to it? So yeah, I just want to say that I'm not a qualified financial analyst. As someone who's taken a very conservative stance in investing, taking positions only in stocks and ETFs, I thought crypto was a crucial way for me to diversify into a different asset class and I allocated $10,000. My friend told me that he had a trader that was doing 7% returns per week. Week, not month or year. And that seemingly impossible return drew me back to it in July 2021. My friends and I put together a seven-figure sum to invest in crypto and then handed it to this day trader to trade. But because he used leverage, during the July 2021 crash, prices crashed and he was forced to put up the money. And so we lost everything. It sounds ridiculous, but I knew little or almost nothing about crypto. All I knew was that it was giving crazy returns and I didn't want to look like a fool for not getting into it. I didn't even do a Google search. It was almost as if I threw money into my friend's lap and told him, take this money and give me lots of money back in return. But in hindsight, I did see how silly that actually looked. And I hope the lesson we take away from this isn't that we should shy away from alternative investments like crypto, but that we should clearly know what the downside is. Often we look at the upside without looking at the downside. And if we knew the downside, then the logical next question would be, would I be able to live if the worst came to pass? If you lost all your money in that investment, would you still be able to live with that? That will help you in making better investment decisions. What were your thoughts when you learned of the crypto market crash? To be honest, I didn't feel much. 
and now that I think about it, I was just thinking, Regent, why, why don't I feel anything? I mean, of course I was sad that the money was gone and mildly frustrated that the bet didn't pay off. And don't get me wrong, 10k is a huge amount. And as someone in a full-time salaried job then with a $3,690 pay, it was a substantial portion of my savings. But I was fortunate because it was money I could afford to lose. Whenever I take a position, I would not just look at the upside, but I would cap the downside. And I would ask myself, what would happen if I lost all these? Would I still survive? Because that's a real possibility. And we've seen that happen with the FTX crash. I've had friends who have lost their whole savings, friends who have had to do side hustles to rebuild their cash reserves. But because of how I set up my portfolios, it meant that even losing this was okay. And since investing as a 20-year-old, the two principles that have really helped me are one, always invest what you can afford to lose because that's a real possibility. And number two, that you should always cap the downside. So what were some takeaways from this episode? Firstly, the most important thing in investing is really not the upside, but the downside. Warren Buffett has two rules of investing. Firstly, that one shouldn't lose money. And two, that one should never forget rule number one, as it is always important. Secondly, that in investing, one should always understand risk. Howard Marks, the chairman of Oak Tree Capital Management, which manages $80 billion in assets today, writes about this, well, in his book, The Most Important Thing. He says that dealing with risk is a three-step process where you first understand it, then recognize when it's high, and thirdly, that you control it. In this instance, for crypto, some might say it's riskier. But what exactly does that mean? Finance theory often talks about how risk is volatility or those that have big fluctuations in price. But this doesn't adequately define risk. Risk, as Marx describes it, is the likelihood of losing money. And when you define this risk, then you become clearer about one, if you should invest in crypto, and two, when you should invest in it. Thirdly, it's about being smart, but not too smart. The billionaire partner of Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, once said, It is remarkable how much long-term advantage people like us have gotten by trying to be consistently not stupid instead of trying to be very intelligent. I confess, it was fancy to tell people I was investing in crypto. Even though I didn't understand at all what it was or what the underlying technology was, but I wanted to pretend to be smart. This loss has taught me and hopefully some of us that sometimes investing doesn't have to be you trying to be smarter than you are. It's just about sticking with what you know. Those were very good takeaways. I will keep them in mind. How do you think you managed to get over this episode? Firstly, I think it was the mindset of learning because any form of investing needs courage. But it's not only the courage to win, but the courage to lose. So it helped me to frame this as a lesson rather than just a failure. When you see it as a lesson, you begin to become less wedded to the outcomes. But when you frame it in the dichotomy of success or failure, your self-worth can become tied to the outcomes of that investment. For example, when I bought my first stock at 20, I took the fall in prices very personally, as if I was the one responsible for the company doing poorly. 
But Lee Freeman Shaw's book, The Art of Execution, changed me. He studied 1,866 investments made by the world's top investors and found that only 920 or 49% of them made money. Even the best failed. What was different was how they executed after the investment rather than before investing. This helped me see that after losing all my money in this crypto investment, all I needed to do was actually just learn and then rebalance my portfolio again. So John, how do you recognise that it is money that you can afford to lose? I think it meant that I couldn't eat fancy restaurant meals and probably might have to bring dates to the hawker centre. But you get the idea. I could afford to lose it. And I don't say this to boast as if 10k is small money. I just had to adjust my lifestyle, but I could still afford my basic necessities. Losing 10k was painful, but not as painful as compared to if 10k was all I had in my bank account. You mentioned about learning and rebalancing your portfolio. So how has the crypto market crashed, affected your portfolio and retirement plans? So firstly, I think before investing in something today, I would think a lot more in terms of asset allocation. Asset allocation is like building a football team. Your goalkeeper should be your cash reserves, which should ideally cover six months of your living expenses. Then your defenders should be insurance. The midfielders and strikers would be varied asset classes such as REITs, stocks, ETFs, or even crypto. In the end, I recognised that the money I lost in crypto was like a striker who was sent off during a game. This helped me to accept that yes, things could be harder, but I still had other team players or asset classes that could continue to play the game well. Secondly, it's meant that I need to spend more time earning back the money I lost. But I don't think it has been a major setback because you recognise that it's part of a cycle. Howard Marks describes it well. The mood swings of the securities market resemble the movement of a pendulum. When you see your investment as a pendulum that will constantly be in motion, swinging from extreme to extreme, rather than a specific point or price that you reach, you learn to stomach the extremes. That teaches me that retirement is a long game played over the course of 50 years, Zooming in and seeing the 10k I lost would have blinded me to the fact that in the longer span of things, it would even out. Rather than getting caught in your return over the past 5 months, it does help to zoom out and remember that losing will happen. It's inevitable. But that as long as over time, you win more than you lose, that will put you in a long-term advantage. So John... According to OCBC's Financial Wellness Index, young investors are still keen and planned on putting their money into cryptocurrencies in the next 12 months despite the crash. Would you advise them differently? Yes, I'll probably advise them to invest in things that they understand, like businesses where they know what the product is and how the company actually makes money. For me, I didn't understand the underlying technology behind Bitcoin and still invested in it because of the attractive returns it showed. But losing that 10k taught me otherwise. That you probably shouldn't invest just because of attractive returns, but because you understand the investment. Mm, and how would you advise someone like me who just started out investing? 
Well, if you've just started, I'll advise that you speak to people, especially your close friends, about what you're doing. Always having a community to bounce off your thoughts, your ideas, your investments is important. Because alone, we have blind spots, but together, there's a lot more we can understand and uncover. Thank you, John, for taking the time to share your personal journey in investing. To sum up, here are three key points we can take away from today. Firstly, investing is about sticking to what you know, always capping your downside, investing with money you can afford to lose. Secondly, retirement is a long game. As long as over time, you win more than you lose. And lastly, for new investors like me, with something as important as money, always have a community to bounce off ideas and thoughts with. Before we go, John, do you have any parting thoughts for our listeners? I'll end with this quote from Howard Marks. Investment success doesn't come from buying good things, but rather buying things well. This fundamentally shifted my investing style. Whenever we talk about investing, we might talk about the hottest stocks. But Marx reminds us that it's not just what you buy, but how you buy it. And this how relates to two things for me. Firstly, it's having the self-awareness to know your investment style and sticking to it. If a particular asset doesn't suit your risk appetite, meaning your ability to stomach permanent loss, then don't force it down your throat no matter what people say. Secondly, it's when you buy it. Having contrarian courage to buy when everyone else is selling might serve you well. I used to have a client who struggled with a low income as a delivery man, who often just eat dinner and skip the other meals. Yet when I saw his CPF, it was vested in many different assets. I realized he had voluntarily contributed so that he could achieve higher returns at the expense of his current lifestyle. And when I asked why, he said, Aya, my son-in-law, I don't know when I will die. I want to leave something for him. At the end of the day, whatever you invest in doesn't matter so much as who you're investing it for. So maybe the next time, before you click that trade or order button, maybe ask yourself, who am I investing this for? And with that, we come to the end of today's episode. I'm Yuzhen, and you have been listening to Let's Talk CPF. Before you go, we would love to hear from you. Email us with your questions or comments at podcast at cpf.gov.sg so we can create better content for you. You can also leave us a review on the platform you're listening from to help others learn about our podcast. For the latest news, visit cpf.gov.sg slash podcast or follow our social media pages. Thank you once again. Until the next time, let's talk CPF.